Hello, and welcome to Easy Easy Bake Bake Takes, Takes, the podcast, where we read you one-star reviews of your favorite movies and more. My name's Kat. And I'm Riley. And we are starting our horror movie marathon this week with Orphan, which came out in 2009 and is two hours and three minutes long. This is a horror thriller. It is rated R. And the premise of Orphan is Kate and John Coleman's marriage is strained after the stillbirth of their third child, Jessica. The loss is particularly hard on Kate, who is a recovering alcoholic. The couple adopts a nine-year-old Russian girl, Esther, from a local orphanage. Their five-year-old daughter, Max, who is deaf, embraces Esther, but their 12-year-old son, Daniel, is less welcoming. One night, Kate and John begin having sex, I'll add for the first time in a very long time, but are interrupted by Esther. Kate becomes suspicious when Esther expresses far more knowledge of sex than a child of her age should. (laughs) Esther begins to exhibit hostile behavior in front of Max and Daniel, such as killing an injured pigeon and badly injuring a classmate who was bullying her. Sister Abigail... The head of the orphanage visits the Coleman household, warning the couple that tragic events and incidents seem to occur around Esther, including the house fire that killed her last family. When Sister Abigail leaves, Esther uses Max to cause her to crash her car, and then Esther bludgeons Sister Abigail to death with a hammer. Esther then forces Max to help her move the body and hide the evidence in Daniel's treehouse. Daniel witnesses them at the treehouse, and later that night, she interrogates him about what he saw, threatening to castrate him if he tells his parents. As Kate becomes increasingly suspicious of Esther, Esther's unusual behavior, John believes she is paranoid and tells Esther to do something nice for Kate. Esther takes the flowers from Jessica's grave and gives them to Kate. Kate is horrified and grabs Esther's arm in distress and asserts that she did it on purpose. So Esther breaks her own arm and blames it on Kate to cause further strife between Kate and John. The next day, Esther releases the parking brake on Kate's car with Max inside, causing the car to roll into traffic. Esther also points out that she found wine in the kitchen, causing John and Kate's therapist to suggest that Kate go to rehab, with John threatening to take the kids and leave if she refuses. Kate discovers Esther came from a mental hospital in Estonia, not an orphanage. Daniel learns of Sister Abigail's death from Max and searches the treehouse. Esther sets it on fire in an attempt to kill him, but is thwarted by Max. Daniel is seriously injured, and while he is in the ICU, Esther tries to smother him with a pillow, but the doctors revive him. Kate slaps Esther before she is restrained and sedated. That night, Esther dresses provocatively and attempts to seduce John, who threatens to send her back to the orphanage after realizing Kate was right. At the hospital, Kate is contacted by Dr. Varava of the Sarn Institute and learns Esther is actually a 33-year-old woman named Lena. She has hypopituitarism, a rare hormone disorder that stunts her physical growth and causes proportional dwarfism, and she has spent most of her life posing as a little girl. Lena is violent and has murdered at least seven people, including her last family. After her failed attempt at seducing John, Lena removes the ribbons she wore around her neck and wrists to hide scars caused by restraints in the hospital. She removes her disguise and stabs John to death. Kate rushes home and Lena attempts to shoot her and wounds her arm. Lena opens fire on Max and Kate breaks through the greenhouse roof and knocks Lena unconscious. 
Kate and Max flee as the police arrive, but Lena attacks Kate near the frozen pond, hurling them onto the ice. Max shatters the ice in an attempt to shoot Lena and sends Kate and Lena underwater. Kate climbs out with Lena clinging to her legs. Lena reverts to her Esther persona, begging Kate not to let her drown with a knife hidden behind her back. Kate angrily retorts that she is not Lena's mommy and kicks her in the face, breaking her neck. Lena's body sinks into the dark pond as Kate and Max are met by the police. The end. One of the most satisfying deaths of like a villain, I would say. Very much so. Because by that time, I'm, we're done with Esther shit, you know? Yeah. This movie was directed by Joe May, Colette Sarah. The story was by Alex Mace. The screenplay was by David Leslie John McGoldrick, who also wrote Conjuring the Devil Made Me Do It, which is very bad, in my opinion. Oh. It's about the first criminal case to use the defense of possession. You know, someone committed a murder because they were possessed by the devil, not because they committed the murder themselves. Oh. So it's a new version of like the insanity plea. Is that real? Like you can flee? That's an actual case that happened. Okay. That, okay. It's really hard to do a possession plea. Well, I'm not sure it works, but could you? I guess you could. It's been tried. Uh, yeah. The cast is Isabel Furman as Esther, Vera Farmiga as Kate, Peter Sarsgaard as John, CCH Pounder as Sister Abigail, Jimmy Bennett as Daniel, Margot Martindale as Dr. Browning, and Ariana Engineer as Max. The budget for this movie was $20 million and it made 78.8 at the box office. Nice. Isabel Furman was only 10 years old during the filming of the movie. Isabel Furman, as a 10-year-old, studied the performances of Glenn Close in Dangerous Liaisons and Anthony Hopkins in Silence of the Lambs to prepare for her role. That's funny. It is. Just imagining her practicing as Hannibal Lecter. This 10-year-old. For her to even be, like, using them as a reference for her character, it's no wonder they cast her. Yeah. She must have been, like, a diamond to find within, like, all of these children. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. And she's creepy. She is. She's good at it. She's really good at it. (laughs) And the poster is actually one side of Furman's face uh, mirrored to the other. That's why it looks so unsettling because it's a perfect mirror oh, of her face. Oh, it's okay. That's interesting. Oh, okay. And then Vera Farmiga is actually a skilled pianist in real life. And she was really upset when she saw that the scene of her composing the suite for Max and Jessica was cut short. Mm. And then the piano that she's playing on is a Steinway piano, which can go upwards of $70,000. Wow. It's a nice fucking piano that they're playing on. Yeah. And then in early drafts of the script, instead of singing The Glory of Love, she's supposed to sing Que Sera Sera by Doris Day, the one that's in the beginning of Heathers. Mm -hmm. And then the line, I'm not your fucking mommy, was copied from The Ring 2. Oh, okay. Yeah. I don't think I've ever saw that, but that's interesting. I only saw the first ring. I didn't even know there was a second, to be honest. So this movie is said to be inspired by the case of Barbara Skrulova. This is not a true crime podcast, so I will not be giving you heavily researched detail on this case. But if anyone wants more detail on this, I don't think you want it. It's pretty gruesome. So if you want to know more, a medium.com article by Nikki Young. And then the other thing that I had true crime related after the movie was released, a similar case referenced the movie itself as saying that it happened to them. It was the case of Natalia Grace, six-year-old Ukrainian child who was adopted by an American family and then subsequently put back into the adoption system and adopted by the Barnett family. She had dwarfism that caused her to be in a wheelchair. The parents, mostly the mom, was convinced that she was an adult trying to scam them and said that it was like the movie in their house, like things that happened in the movie was exactly what happened to them. And so they put this supposed child up in an apartment by herself after they got her like birth certificate changed to say she was 22. Mm -hmm. 
this one I'm not going to be speculating on at all. The dad had a hearing last week or a week or so ago, and the mom's court case is in October, and so we won't know how that ends up, but Natalia has not been able to reverse the changes to her birth certificate. But even though she's, is she still a child? Her Ukrainian birth certificate said that she is a child. I think by now she might be an adult. So it's it's a lot of speculation with that one, but it just seems seems blurry. But that's all the trivia I have. That was some hardcore trivia. Mm-hmm. I don't think we've had trivia like that before. No. And I had never heard of the Barbara Skrlova one. I, did, I had no idea it inspired the movie. And it is so much worse than anything that happens in the movie. Mm. Back to the movie. What were your thoughts watching it this time? Had you seen it in theaters when it came out? No, I hadn't seen it. Th- the first time I ever saw it was... It was the one of the first movies you ever showed me in our friendship. Oh my god, is it really? I'm not even kidding. It, it might be the first one you've ever oh like went sit down we're watching this and we watched it in me and my sister's room back in our old apartment oh, okay i do remember, remember this that? i do remember this your two twin beds we were just <laughs> like one of us was sitting in the computer chair yeah one of us was sitting there and there was like a few other people in there but yeah i, I do remember that yeah. i do remember that that i'm pretty sure that's one of the first movies it's like that and like perfect sisters yeah that <laughs> yeah so that's my first memory of this movie all those years ago oh and i wrote notes as i was watching it Okay, let's hear him. This movie makes me grossed out to be pregnant and to give birth. Because, <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. well, the first scene is so horrible. Yeah. And such a nightmare. It, like, I, I felt queasy after. Oh, yeah. It's really uh, intense. Yeah. Well, I know it's a stillbirth scene, but still. Well, it's like, it's it's a literal nightmare she's having. Yeah. I skip over that scene most times I re- like watch this movie because mm-hmm. it's just too much. It's a lot. And, like, I understand that's a reality for some people, but, like, I can't. Mm-mm. I hate the husband. I hate the husband. I hate the husband. I hate the husband. <laughs> I really do hate, hate him. Mm-hmm. He's making jokes about orphans in an orphanage. So right there to tell you how classy he is. Yeah. He's the reason why they bring her home in the first place. Mm-hmm. He's the one that has to wander upstairs by himself. In an orphanage. In, a, in an all-girls orphanage, really? Mm-hmm. But the actor, he's married to Maggie Gyllenhaal. He's a good actor. He's Is he... Of the Skarsgård family? Or do they just have a similar last name? They are Skarsgård. He is Sarsgård. Okay. The character, the girl, she keeps finding herself in the most lavish houses. Mm-hmm. Because if you've seen Orphan First Kill, you should see that house that she ends up in. Oh, yeah. Well, I think, like, people, at least in this, the first one, mm-hmm. people who can afford to adopt a child, they're going to have a nice house. Yeah, that's true. It's an expensive process. Yeah, definitely. Why would you allow your stupid son to invite his friends over when you're literally welcoming your new adoptive daughter home? Yeah. I don't think they're great parents. Oh, no. They're terrible parents. They're mm-hmm. really bad. The way he speaks to Esther, and I know Esther's evil. I understand that. But the way he speaks to her before we even get to know what she's capable of. Yeah. And they're just like, stop. Stop. Daniel. Daniel. You'll be nice to her, Daniel. Stop. All right, we're going to lock that... Say one more word. We're going to lock that tree. Say one more word. Okay. Three more chances. I'm going to give you three more chances. <laughs> that's how it felt. I did not like them. Yeah, that's fair. I wrote, big surprise, the mother-in-law is a raging bitch. <laughs> Her husband should have been like, mom, shut the fuck up. But like, he doesn't, he seems like the kind of person that's just like, oh, that's mom. <laughs> oh, you, you ladies and you're bickering. <laughs> exactly. Like, I get the point. Like, yeah, the mom was irresponsible in that way but she was grieving yeah what she went through i understand i'm sorry someone else should have been watching the kids literally like where was he was 
was home. He's just a... Res- he was off cheating on her. Exactly. Well, apparently, like, in the story, the dad saves the little girl from the pond because the mom was passed out drunk. So he was home. It was probably like he had to rush home or something because, like, she wasn't answering her phone or something. Oh, okay. Oh, the son shooting the pigeon with the paintball gun and then crying about it. That happened to my dad, but with a BB gun and a crow. And to, like, to this day, he feels, like, really, really awful about it. Aww. Like, he cried. It was awful. Yeah. <laughs> like the son said, he's like, I didn't think it would hurt him. Like, the same thing happened. Yeah, I understand that kid logic of, like, well, when I shoot my friends with it, it doesn't almost kill them. <laughs> it doesn't do anything to them. Yeah. And he's a child. It's the way you learn not to do that. Exactly. It's good that it happened and they had that reaction of, like, I feel terrible now. And wasn't, like... Yeah, it wasn't Esther going, you know, like... Just kill it. do it. I mean, her logic is correct. Put it out of its misery, of course. Yeah. But she's, like, too interested. She's too eager to do she's it. She's too eager about it. Let me do it. Let me do it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Oh, he just... The husband just gaslights her throughout the whole movie. Mm-hmm. And anytime she wants to bring up something he's doing, he's all like, what about you? She brings up about the cheating thing, and he's going like, I've made mistakes, but so have you, and all that. And it's just like, that doesn't... That doesn't what has she done? Well, but anyway, that cheating was. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's difficult to sympathize with him, especially considering like he cheated, didn't tell her for a long time, mm-hmm. and then like it was is not sorry about it. Not sorry. And is still flirting, and she brought it up, and he immediately turned it back on her, acted like he's a victim. Mm-hmm. And it's like she was having a miscarriage at that time, and like, oh, you should be over it by now, kind of mentality. It's like, yeah, every reaction that she had. Yes, I'm sure it would be more ideal if she was just a little bit safer to herself. Mm-hmm. Maybe not even for the sake of her, but for like the kids. I get it, mm-hmm. but like, it's not outlandish that she's reacting that way to any of it. No. But that's like my least favorite horror film trope. And it happens in like all of them. The husband just being like, you're being crazy. Exactly. And especially in horror movies tropes, because it's always the woman ha- who's noticing all the weird shit. And the husband always like passes up. Oh, you're, you're being crazy. Yeah. And like with this movie, especially having the therapist on the dad's side, because mm-hmm. she's like she doesn't even see how Esther is manipulating her. Yeah. That's how you know you're a shitty therapist when you can't recognize someone manipulating you. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You should be able to, like, catch that. Oh, yeah. And, like, the therapist even says, like, well, she's shy and reserved, and we don't know a lot about her. Why are you taking her side then? Yeah. We should get to know her, mm-hmm. and then we can start seeing where they're coming from. Exactly. Yeah, and I literally wrote down, everyone's making this mom sound crazy. I literally wrote down least favorite horror trope. Yeah. I, I don't like it. It's so frustrating. Yeah. At this point, it's overdone. Mm-hmm. The mom says in the movie to the husband, why does everyone get the benefit of the doubt from you except for me? Mm-hmm. It's because he doesn't respect you. Yeah. Doesn't respect your opinion. It's really unfortunate. He doesn't respect you and he doesn't trust you to like be better. They were broken long before Esther came. Mm-hmm. Like in the beginning, the thing that's like bothered me outside of any of the other stuff is like literally like her body went through so much. Mm-hmm. Mentally, she went through so much and he's like, oh, you don't have sex. I'm mad at you now. It's frustrating. It's very frustrating. It's manipulative. Yeah. There's a part of the movie where the mom's like screaming at the therapist, like, I want her out of the house. Mm-hmm. I don't want her here. I don't want her around the children. They brush it off. I'm sorry. If a parent just adopted a child and they come back a few weeks later, with, I want this child out. I don't want this child anymore. For the safety of that child alone, wouldn't you want to take them out? Because why would you want to leave that child with someone who doesn't want to care for that child anymore? 
that should have happened immediately. Yeah. It's not necessarily admitting anything either way. It's like, just prioritize the safety of this child and get the child out of the house. Think about it, you know? Like, immediately someone should have been like, okay, she's, we'll take her away, get her out of there, we'll fi- we'll figure everything out later. Mm-hmm. That's one of those things in the movie where I'm like, that should have been taken more seriously. For sure. <laughs> she has the most extreme reaction after seeing her husband die, and... I was happy. I'm glad he died in this movie. He's awful. He was horrible. Yeah, that's fair. There's a certain point where it's like, at least like acknowledge that something's happening. Mm -hmm. The only thing he really acknowledges is like her saying fuck. Well, he even brushes that off. He doesn't even give a shit. Yeah. So irritating. And literally in her description, when reading the plot, he's like, it's only till the end when he realizes when Esther's like hitting on him Mm -hmm. that he realizes something's wrong. When it's starting to affect him exactly because he's the only one in the house interacting that's how it is in horror movies too it's like the husband's like no no that's not happening what that's you're being crazy and then it happens to them or they witness something mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden it's like okay we need to go yeah and then by that time it's too late yeah it's so irritating and i feel like that's why a lot of women like horror because that is like a very big fear and reality for a lot of women just having any of their input discounted in any regard to anything and especially in safety situations where it's men don't see what women see because we have experienced a lot of shit like this Mm -hmm. or like just in the same realm of any of it safety wise and i feel like that's why it resonates it's kind of similar to how like true crime resonates because it's it affects women more Mm -hmm. this inherent like grabbing onto like i've seen this before i've dealt with this before like i know what this feeling is i know that i've been in a situation similar and i want to arm myself for the future like i understand why women like horror so much absolutely Mm -hmm. (laughs) exactly no exactly i totally understand yeah it's so true that was my last comment i was just really glad the husband died (laughs) okay okay I don't understand why they, okay, she picks up her kid, the police are coming. Why did they go out to the front? I don't know. Why did they go out into the dark woods? Yeah, let's go stand on the ice pond and wait for the police here. Yeah, let's go stand near the ice pond. Yeah, I don't. Because that's a good place to stand. We are, okay. As from history has told us, that's a good place to be. Yeah, in your life specifically, you've had a great <laughs> run with standing on the ice. Ice has always been your friend. Especially with your little kid that almost died on that ice. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, so for me... Um, I don't have a lot of notes because I think you you mentioned a lot of the things that like bugged me. Like it was mainly just mm-hmm. like the gaslighting and the like mm-hmm. shitty husbandness of it. But something mm-hmm. that I never thought of, I don't know why I never thought of this before, but comes up in the critic things is Isabel Furman's doing a great job. This movie's really good. But the fact that they had a 10-year-old girl doing a lot of this and like acting out, especially like the last scene with the dad, it feels a little icky. Yeah, definitely. So like I didn't really think of that before, but now thinking of that, I under like I understand like that is that is kind of weird and gross. Mm-hmm. It kind of reminds me of Leon the Professional, like Natalie Portman in that, where it's like there's a lot of things where you just think about the fact that she's literally a child having to act these things out. Yeah. And like Jodie Foster, Taxi Driver. Mm-hmm. I feel like in a few years, Isabel Furman's going to come out with something about this. But the fact that she was willing to go back, yeah, and do the prequel, I think says enough. For how many years it's been and exactly i did get compared to her a lot in middle school pre-puberty cat i will say did look like her yeah i, I see it my when my eyebrows had less structure <laughs> but now i don't think as much I, I don't think i look like her as much just similar no. type of face i guess i think really the only comparison is like back in middle school you had you had black, black hair and freckles dark eyebrows 
Right. I'm not nearly as pale as her. <laughs> but yeah, so I used to get compared to her. That's why I feel like I have a little bit of an attachment to this movie, just from like mm-hmm. literally just people saying that in middle school. Mm-hmm. I didn't take it as an insult because she was in Hunger Games. So <laughs> That's right. She was, wasn't she? She was in Catching Fire. No, no, no. Yeah. Hunger Games. Is it the first one? I think. She's in one of them. Yeah. She's in the games. She's in the games. But yeah, so I, I think, honestly, just from a standpoint of child acting, Isabel Furman is amazing in this movie. Mm-hmm. The other kid actors, too, like, they were pretty good. Max was good. Yeah, they were decent. Mm-hmm. They were pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember watching this movie in theaters, I think. Either that or it was Redbox. I don't remember, but I do remember watching it around the time it came out. Mm-hmm. So I was like eight. But my family loves horror movies, or at least my mom does. So she would take me and see them. Oh, nice. I just remember it coming out at the same time as the Nicolas Cage movie, The Knowing. And there's a flashback I think I s- with a girl writing all the numbers of the years where sh- bad stuff's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And she looks exactly like the character Orphan. Yeah. And so I just connect those two movies together in my head. I hate that movie, The Knowing. Yeah. It's so bad. So bad. It scared the shit out of Serena. And I put like a rock under her pillow because of that movie to scare her. Because, you know, they wake up and they have those pebbles <laughs> under their pillow. <laughs> This is so fucking funny. <laughs> I connect those movies together in my brain. It's just such a dark movie for like all the way through. Yeah. It's just depressing. Yeah, I don't have I don't have anything else for right now. Let's move on to the critics. The first review I have is from Big Picture Big Sound from 2009, written by Laura Grady, who gave this movie a two out of four and starts with, quote, regarding Orphan, an often historic, quasi-gothic entry in the long line of evil child movies, there is good news and bad news. The good news is that if you plunk down $12 for this one, you're going to see two movies for the price of one. The bad news is that only one of those is worth seeing, and it's not the one being advertised on the movie posters, end quote. They said that this movie has an identity crisis, and it's not quite a full-blown horror, but it's not really a thriller, and it has the framework of a really compelling drama, you know, a marriage that's cracking under the weight of a miscarriage, alcoholism, cheating, and then says, quote, however, that tale, which by itself could have made for a solid movie, is quickly overwhelmed by the grand guignol elements of the primary storyline. It's one we've seen before, for the most part, and such predecessors as The Omen, Evil Child infiltrates Happy Family and destroys it from within end quote and you'll see a lot in the critic reviews comparison to like the omen and stuff like that Mm. a lot of backstory to balance but sarsgaard and farmiga are pros and their chemistry is welcoming their exchanges feel genuine and lend depth to their characters and relationships i think they they both did a good job i think the whole family is good the acting in this movie is pretty good Mm -hmm. i i don't have any complaints about it the drama with in the family could have been a great movie on its own Mm mm-hmm The uneven tone shows the identity crisis of the plot, beautiful set pieces juxtaposed with traumatic events, but that's like a filmmaking device, you know, to juxtapose something horrific in front of something beautiful. Mm -hmm. I don't really get that as a critique or saying that it has an identity crisis by saying that personally. Well, like what you just said, like it has an identity crisis with being like a horror thriller. I'm like, you can range how much you want your movie to represent one genre or the other. Yeah. I would call it more of a thriller. Mm -hmm. Or maybe even psychological thriller, because it does mess with your head a lot. Yeah. I don't think it has an identity crisis. I think it plays out actually kind of perfectly. I think it knows what it is. Yeah. Yeah, it knows what it is. And it plays out perfectly with, uh, sorry, just how the, the plot goes. Yeah. And the twist at the end. And I think the tone lends to, like, the fact that there is something being hidden. Yeah. Like, of course, it's going to be uneven. Yeah, the whole time you're like, what is wrong with her? What's going on with her? And only at one point, only you're seeing what she's doing. Mm -hmm. 
the movie is built like it's supposed to be. I don't really agree with their points yeah. about why why they think the movie isn't good. Yeah, but they end this review with, quote, It must be noted, however, that this movie is entertaining. Also of note is Isabel Furman's performance as Esther. She is a preternaturally pretty young actress with a compelling air of stillness and flair for finding the menace and madness in her character without overplaying. She gives a surprisingly disciplined performance in a role that could have been a disaster, and she holds her own in scenes with Miss Farmiga and Mr. Sarsgaard. She's a performer to watch, and with luck, her future roles will be in productions with a little more consistency. Now that would really be something to write home about, end quote. I agree. She's very good in this movie, and this movie is very entertaining. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It must have been fun for the adult actors to work with her. It sounds like she just was really professional, you know? Yeah. Well... Sorry, like she uh, she was watching uh, Silence of the Lambs to look up. Mm -hmm. It's so funny because like she's just mature for her age, I guess. Yeah. But next we have a review from The Independent Critic by Richard Propes, two and a half out of four or a B minus. Richard says that Furman is so convincing as Esther that he speculates she will have a hard time acting as a normal, happy, healthy character in the future. Mm-hmm. Orphan is a moral dilemma, and quote, the dilemma is, of course, that Esther is so relentlessly brutal in her wrath that it could easily be labeled as morally reprehensible to present a child in such a light, as well as to have an actual child actor, 11-year-old Furman, portray such a child, end quote. So that's kind of where I got that yeah. cue of like, oh shit, this is like an actual child having to act these things out. Exactly. An actual child playing a child pretending to be, or an adult trying to pretend to be a child it's very funny in that way played by an actual child yeah i do understand the concern and the um the ickiness oh, uh, yes the but there's a there's a more uh, official word for it of uh, the uh, ethics of it yeah that's, that's yeah there you go yeah yeah the ethics of that all that it is ethically gray to do yeah. um she, she's yeah. never at least in like the sense of the provocativeness of the character she never does anything but mm -hmm. she like acts it out in a way that it's like is this ethically okay for a child actor to be doing this right mm -hmm. and the violence part too but that doesn't bother me as much <laughs> i'm gonna tell you right now that doesn't bother me because no. like kids are violent sometimes kids are violent sometimes and i i don't know that's just me i don't yeah i'm less bothered by that it's just like that last scene where i'm like ill yeah but anyway he also says while the objections are warranted and perhaps justified the evil child storyline has existed for years because it easily violates our sense of rightness about children and although the setup of the story makes you feel like you know where the story is taking you the twist being thrown in works for the movie then says that esther dresses as if she were a chucky doll during victorian times <laughs> <laughs> So true, though. And then the unnecessary two plus hour runtime is nearly worth it as the film really picks up the pace in the final 20 minutes. Sarsgaard isn't given much to do, although he is virtually incapable of giving a bad performance. Colette Sarah does a wonderful job framing the characters, but falls short when it comes to giving Orphan the muscle it needs to be one of the best films of its genre in recent years. Um, resorts to graphic violence and artificial scares rather than allowing the story bu story's built-in anxiety and thrills to take over and says that at times it's as if the director does not trust the material. Interesting. Yeah, with the fake outs. Um, yeah. I get that. Okay. 
I understand. I think I see what he's saying, yeah. I see what he's saying. And then, quote, Ariana Engineer, who plays Max, by the way, a real-life deaf actress, is almost equally as hypnotic as Furman without uttering a single word throughout the film. Engineer's body language, facial expression, especially those eyes, communicate far more without an utterance than could many actresses with a full screenplay of dialogue, end quote. That's awesome. And then ends the review with, quote, while Orphan may not be the film it could be, it's far more intriguing and satisfying film than one might expect, given its rather lame trailers that have been playing in theaters for months now. Is Orphan morally reprehensible? Yes, actually it is. It's also a surprisingly effective and satisfying thriller that reaches back into the history of evil child films and perhaps even more so plays upon the very real contemporary fears of a society in which children are increasingly capable of rather extraordinary evil. Morally reprehensible indeed, end quote. And I guess that's kind of what we were saying. Like, children are capable of doing these things. No one wants to think that. But mm -hmm. there are children who have done heinous things like this. True. He always makes such great points. Mm -hmm. I just do love that he's like, yeah, this movie isn't all that. It's morally re reprehensible, but still good. <laughs> <laughs> it's effective. That's what it's doing. Like Exactly. Yeah. I just love that. I just love that he, you know, you can admit both sides. Mm-hmm. I have two more reviews, but this next one is from The Horror Show. No writer was listed on there, and the website seems to be taking a break. They say that for every good part of the movie, there's a mess up in another area, good performances, and then there's editing blunders, there's nice visual style, and then there's a screenwriting screw-up, and says, quote, full bore from stem to stern, but given the state of horror films in general, I suppose so-so from a studio horror flick is better than most of what we're offered these days, end quote. And I think that's a fair point. I don't think this movie is so-so, but like, there are a lot of really bad horror movies, so I think mm -hmm. our, our the bar is very low for a good one. You know what? There's some truth to that. There is some truth to that. I understand. I don't think this one's that bad, but like... It's cheesy in a lot of ways, but I, like someone said, this movie's entertaining. Mm -hmm. I watched the whole thing, and we talked about like, it's like over 90 minutes. I forgot how long it is. Two hours and three minutes. Two hours and three minutes. Does it feel like that? Mm -hmm. I'm, you know? Yeah. Feel, it's, it's, not, it's not bad. Yeah. <laughs> it's not bad. Exactly. But they also mentioned that if you've seen The Omen, The Bad Seed, etc., then you've seen half of The Orphan already. They say, quote, Directed crisply and with a palpable air of mid-70s paranoia thriller, Orphan takes its good sweet time in doling out the chills. But here's the irony. Most horror film talky bits are clumsy exposition at best, or time-filling, wheel-spinning at worst. But Orphan seems very interested in, get this, setting up its characters, end quote. Yeah, it does. Absolutely. Very animated in the writing in this one, if you can't tell. They were. They were very, um, lots of character. I think that's a fair point, too. Like, this movie does actually take its time in setting up who the, these people are. And their backstory and all that. And not every horror does that. Sometimes they just throw you into the middle of something. Exactly. Yeah, you, you just get these canvases talking mm -hmm. with these people. Like, it's, uh, it's a little bit more enriched. But they say that those 30 minutes of setup are anchored by great work by Farmiga and Sarsgaard. Farmiga seems almost too good for such a basic horror film, but she brings a matter of fact vulnerability that elevates the film. I would say so too. She's really good in this movie. Her and Sarsgaard carry a lot of it and Isabel Furman. Mm -hmm. They are really good actors. I don't think this movie would have been as good without them. Agreed. They also say, quote, the screenplay is actually interesting in a low-key domestic way, end quote. And they th I think they mean that in a similar way to the first reviewer who was saying there were a lot of really good drama elements to the movie. Mm -hmm. If the rest of the film were at Farmiga's level, then this would be a classic. The movie goes downhill when they decide to adopt Esther. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so they don't like That's how the, plot the is. orphan. <laughs> That's literally the plot. It does go downhill when they adopt Esther. Yeah. <laughs> 
well, yeah. But they end with, quote, So with strong performances, a confident visual approach, and a more than slightly familiar screenplay that, to be fair, is a bit deeper than one might expect from a studio release horror flick, Orphan would easily qualify for a weekend rental or a summer afternoon matinee, but not much more than that. After laying down a foundation with three such interesting characters, it's a bit of a disappointment when Orphan suddenly transforms into a rather standard killer kid movie. Orphan gives it a few strong tries, but seems to succumb to formula well before the end credits start to roll, end quote. I'm seeing a theme in a lot of the critics. They really like the drama of the family mm-hmm. more than they actually like the the plot of the orphan coming. Yeah. That's what I'm seeing. It seems like for some of them, the twist wasn't enough to save the fact that they've seen a movie like it before, you know? Yeah. The character building with the drama in the family seemed a little bit more strong to them, I guess. Yeah. It, it sounds like they were just more interested in that. Like, it caught their attention more than... And I understand that, I will say. Yeah, I, I get, get that. that. But this is the last review from Cinemaphile by David M. Keyes in 2009, who gave it a zero out of four. Nervous. Okay, so starting with, quote, Mere words fail me, and my attempt to decipher the goal of Orphan, which is an angry, bitter, and abhorrent display of masochism masquerading around a legitimate horror film, end quote. Is, the, is horror filmmaking not a little bit masochistic? Has he not seen a slasher film? <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry, are, is he, like... Does he really hate slasher films? I don't know. It seems like this person does not watch horror films often. I hate people like that. So the next, the next they say it ignores the successful horror film formula by being neither horrific nor effective to substantial mental or physical purpose. So they kind of see that the violence in the movie is like pointless violence just to get a reaction out of the audience. I don't know if I necessarily agree with that. Yeah. I mean, sure, it's a movie, but it's also like Esther's evil and she's violent. Yeah. I mean, if we're going to drive home that she's evil, she's an evil adult, then we have to drive home that she's evil. So yeah, she's going to push some kids off some slides. Yeah. She's going to kill a pigeon. I don't really get their point. This person just seems a little um, sensitive. Yeah. Because they also say it's bad because it's showing these horrible things and doesn't care what anyone has to say about it. It's literally just clutching their pearls, this whole this whole thing. This is what it sounds like. Like, mm-hmm. they've never seen a horror movie before. Yeah. Have you seen Halloween? Yeah, literally. It's much worse. Have you seen Texas Chainsaw Massacre? Have you seen Texas Chainsaw Massacre? Oh my god. But they also say the narrative failure is because it places realizations on characters who are either too vulnerable to challenge or too stupid to know how, which results in an unending antagonistic exercise in vulgarity and viciousness, which is played as over the top by actors that seem to be unaware that, that this is wrong. So they're saying like the characters that are being shown this evilness from Esther are either children, so they just are too vulnerable to stop it or they're Uh too stupid to realize it's happening and they're saying that the actors must not realize how disgusting and awful this movie is like the actors are morally wrong they're participating in this morally wrong movie okay again i'm lost i don't understand right well isn't that the point to show you like that's the scary part about this movie esther has this adult control over these children while mm-hmm. trying to play each- that's the po- that's the point of the movie yeah it's that terrifying element that she has these control over children and children don't have a lot of power yeah and are scared and easily you know manipulated yeah that's the horror yeah also that's just the plot of the movie it's not happening this isn't happening in real life this no. person acts like this is <laughs> it's not a documentary this person acts like they don't know what a movie is <laughs> yeah 
Exactly. They think this actually happened. Well, I mean, it did. Well, yeah. This is what I was thinking the whole time I was reading this review. Literally, the crime that this movie is based on or in, that inspired mm -hmm. this movie is a million times worse than what is happening in this movie. I just, this movie gets disturbing in some parts. And I understand someone not liking for it, but it's a horror movie. Kind of the point. It's yeah. going to be scary. It's going to have you know, horrible, like, bad things in it because yeah. it's a horror movie and there's a villain. Yeah, this person, like, clutching your pearls. You said it correct. You said it exactly. And they compare the writing in the film to a snuff film. Okay. Let's take it down a few notches. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's, there are worse movies out there. They got upset when the people in the theater they're watching this movie in chuckled when Daniel pisses his pants. <laughs> it's a movie, dude. It's not real. It's not happening. It says that it has an awkward sense of tone and shapelessly shifts between heartfelt family movements and ruthless displays of macabre that, quote, leave audience members feeling like their heart is being stomped on, end quote. It's like the other critic was upset that there was beautiful scenery with tragic things happening in front of it. Mm -hmm. It's literally a filmmaking device. That's where the unease comes from. It's like the juxtaposition mm -hmm. of these two things. It's so frustrating to have to explain that to someone. Like, yeah. that's on purpose. That's the point. Did y'all not know this in 2009? Did you not go to film school? <laughs> Excuse me. You should be writing about movies if you don't know anything about movies. Well, unless you want to be made fun of by us. <laughs> don't write a review of a horror movie if you clearly cannot handle horror movies, is what this person needs to learn. This person sounds like this is their first horror movie ever, yeah. and they cannot believe what's in it. Is it what? Is it a, a time is traveler? It a disturbing movie? Yeah, at times. But it's a horror movie. It's... I don't understand. And they say that the twist was a shameless cop-out. What? I think the twist makes the movie exponentially better. Yeah. Because if it was just a murderous child, that's kind of boring. Yeah. Because, like, the whole thing is, like, she's hiding stuff. Yeah. It's, it's the mystery of mm -hmm. it, you know? That's what keeps us going. I don't think that the twist is unearned. If this twist was just thrown in without any of that other stuff, hinting that, mm -hmm. like, something might be wrong with Esther, something's weird about Esther, then it wouldn't be earned. Yeah. They end this review with, quote, Orphan is self-aware of its atrocity and arrogant about it. And I am ashamed to admit that I even wasted the time to volunteer two hours of my life to witness it unfold in all its repulsive grandeur, end quote. But I just, I wanted to include that because I, I looked at it, I saw a zero out of four, and I was like, how bad could this review be? And it's literally just somebody who does not know how horror movies work. They write like they've never seen one before. Yeah. I'm like, there are worse movies out there too. Yeah. In my opinion. Have you ever seen a Saw? Jesus, I think they would faint if they knew what Saw was. They would implode. Yeah. But that's the last critic review I have. Is there anything else you want to say about this person or any of the other critics before I move on? No, I think I'm being mean already. <laughs> mean enough. <laughs> But we'll move on to the audience reviews now. The first review I have is a 10 out of 10 from IMDb from February of 2021 titled, I'm going to be traumatized by little girls now. <laughs> they gave it a 10 out of 10 though. I found it hard just to finish this movie considering how disturbing it was, especially if you already find little kids a bit annoying. <laughs> That's true. If you don't like kids, this movie's not gonna... Yeah. Like you think kids are annoying in movies? Or you, yeah, you just hate kids in general or... Because I think kids are annoying in movies. Yeah. But like, I don't know, everyone does really well in this movie. Great child actors. It, it, they are very, very good. But like, I guess Esther, her character is just so... She does obnoxious things. Yeah. And torments the family. So if you don't like that kind of stuff, you're probably not going to like the movie. If you, yeah, if you need more reason to hate children, I guess, watch this. But she's not really a child, yeah. so... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, technically, in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> and then the next review I have is from Letterboxd. No stars. It says, when Vera Farmiga said, I'm not your fucking mommy, I felt that. 
I love no star reviews on Letterboxd. They will, it could be anything. Mm. That's so good. <laughs> I felt that. The next one's a 1 out of 10 from IMDb titled Far Too Predictable from November of 2019. Good original idea, but it was far too predictable with annoying and unbelievable characters. The husband mumbles about throughout the entire film with his eyes half closed as if he's stoned all the time. He turns against his wife and refuses to listen to her at the earliest opportunity and sides with the orphan. Young children watching the orphan murder people as they are present and they don't cry, have nightmares about it, or wept the bed etc there is no change to the person their personality and they don't think about telling their parents we know how blunt and forthright children can be so the parents don't notice anything is wrong i stopped watching 20 minutes before the end oh you can't write a review then they didn't know the twist they don't know the twist <gasps> they don't know the twist that's the funniest bit they don't know the twist they would have given it more stars if they saw it to the twist you gotta kind of wait to see the twist. <laughs> I mean, I guess if they watched in 2019, it's possible they already knew the twist. Yeah. But. <laughs> That's so funny. I have a few things to say because I understand the frustration with, like, the husband not believing the wife. That's that's something that I find frustrating in this movie as well. I know that's part of it. Mm -hmm. So it's not necessarily that I'm taking points off of it. No. Because the movie knows what it's doing. It put it in there on purpose. Yeah. I understand how someone can find that annoying, though. Mm-hmm. Them saying, oh, why wouldn't the kids just say what's happening? I'm sorry. She threatened them. <laughs> like, because, like, that's a thing you could easily say, like, oh, why wouldn't the kids just say something? Well, think about it. Kid First off, Esther's making threats to her. Mm -hmm. To both kids. Saying, if you say anything, I'll kill them. Mm -hmm. you do anything, I'll kill them. You know? And that's how kids are scared. Yeah. Kids are scared. That happens all the time with horrible, horrible things that happen to kids. Yeah. It's not outlandish. It's just a truth that nobody wants to face. I get it. Exactly. That happens all the time. I think it's very realistic mm -hmm. that the kids would be too scared to want to uh, say anything. I think yeah. that's a very realistic concept of the movie. They're critiquing the kids more for not saying anything. Yeah. They've never seen somebody do any of the stuff that she's done before. They don't know how to react to that. Exactly. Exactly. They don't know how to react to that. Yeah. And also, they didn't watch the last 20 minutes. You have to. That's actually, sorry, the best part. <laughs> it's so funny that they didn't finish the movie. Literally, you can't do that with this movie. You have to finish it. Not with this movie. Not the last 20 minutes. I love the idea that they don't know what the twist is, though. I kind of really want to. I want to hope they never found out what the twist was. Me too. Me too. That makes this so much funnier. Oh, yeah. The next review is three stars from Letterboxd from 2021 that just says, Dermatologists hate her. <laughs> The next one is also from Letterboxd and is three stars from 2020 that says, no, because men are so dumb, actually. <laughs> it's true, though. If it wasn't for the dad, none of this would have happened. Mm -hmm. This next one is a one out of 10 from 2009 from IMDb titled Irritatingly Bad Flick. I can't stand horror flicks where all kinds of really suspenseful and horrible manipulations happen because all the characters are either too stupid to catch on or too chicken to do anything about it. The whole deftly manipulative sociopath formula only works when the surrounding characters are of a believable intelligence and psychological depth. Here, nah. -uh. Check out the dad in particular. The moron is supposedly a successful architect, right? But a smart supporting cast wouldn't have worked here. Because guess what? The villain ain't too bright either. Most times I sit down with a flick like this, I can be a good sport about it and get entertainment value from the giggles and forehead slaps. But this one takes itself too seriously for that. 
and has the gall to go on for two hours. So it was just an irritating waste of time. I'm kicking myself for sticking it to the end. I don't want to agree with those. <laughs> I think she's pretty smart and manipulative. I do agree that dad's dumb. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. But yeah, no, I, I agree. I agree with a lot of the things they're saying. Um, but I don't think saying two chicken to do anything should really apply to the children. No, I don't agree. Um, and the mom was being manipulated into thinking that she was just over-exaggerating all of it. Like, I want to agree with them because they're kind of making, like, they're making funny points. But, like, I don't know. We're still entertained by this movie is the thing. I'm still entertained by it. They couldn't get the funniness out of it because they thought it was too serious. Mm -hmm. I'm still entertained by it. Yeah. But the next one is from September 10th of 2022, Three Stars Letterboxd. This film made me feel more unsettled than I realized it would. Gotta give credit where credit's due. She was incredibly talented for someone her age. She knew the assignment and delivered. Are they talking about Esther? Mm-hmm. Okay, good. Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. She did her job. That's the thing. This one is a 1 out of 10 from IMDb titled One of the Worst Movies I've Seen from 2021. Just finished this movie two minutes ago, and I can say it was so unrealistic that was not even scary. All the characters are, like, too stupid or everyone wants to be killed by her. Seriously, don't even bother watching this. I love how your voice changed in the middle of reading that. <laughs> I'm not saying characters are not making stupid decisions in this movie, but, like, I don't know. It's par for the course. Go along with it, you know? Because this shit wouldn't happen if everyone was logical. That's the thing. If... At this point in time, if you can't get if you can't get on the horror movie trope of that no logical person would make that decision, don't watch a horror movie then. Like I because you're yeah you're, they're not gonna make the right decisions. But also sometimes you'll realize that if you get into like a ghost like a paranormal situation, you're probably mm -hmm. gonna try and dismiss it for as long as you can too, mm -hmm. and like yeah. stay in the same house. Like not everyone is so quick to just be like, okay, let's move. That's. That's the thing. You have to think, like, we know there's something wrong. Mm -hmm. They're figuring out something is wrong. Yeah, they don't know they're in a horror movie. It's more realistic than you think. I don't think this movie's that wildly dumb. No. I just feel like these people that say these things are really bad at conflict resolution. Mm -hmm. Like, it's never their fault when something goes wrong kind of people, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Because it's like, if you can't see that people have a different context in situations than you have, then nothing's going to make sense to you. I love that. That's so funny. That's such a deep analysis on someone who writes that kind of stuff. You know me, reading into things too hard. <laughs> That's so fucking funny. Half star on Letterboxd from 2022. Never seen this, but I vividly remember an advert on the telephone box in Crawley giving me nightmares, so thanks a ton. <laughs> I love it. They've never even seen it. Well, I saw a billboard for this movie, so I know it's terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> Half a star. I love at least half a star, not yeah. even zero stars. Yeah. Oh, I think it was Fern Gully or um, Secrets of Nim. One of those where people were like, "Why, like kids shouldn't watch this? It's going to terrify them." It's like you never know what's going to scare a kid. Like this person was scared by an advertisement of a yeah. movie. I was the kind of kid where it's like I'd be scared of like yeah, I'd be scared of like the advertisement and then watch something that's definitely scarier and be fine. I was the type of kid that would purposely go to the horror section of Blockbuster and look at the boxes mm -hmm. of the pictures of the movie and scare myself. Mm -hmm. And then if you were to watch those, you would have been like, oh. Oh, <laughs> exactly. Because you're exactly. making up your own what happens in that movie in your head. Exactly. Mm -hmm. like that, I did the same thing. That one creepy face one, it's not really human. Hellraiser? Uh, what is it? Hellraiser? Dude, not the Hellraiser. Pins. It's like, it's a really close up face. It's not. Is it Halloween? It's not Halloween. It's, I would have to look it up. It's, yeah. it's like a really notoriously bad movie, but it scared the crap. Just looking at the picture, stare the crap at me. And it's like, it, give it. Yeah. Yeah. It makes sense. 
I found it. What was it? It's this one. You probably recognize it. Oh, I've never seen that before. You never saw, you never saw the cover in Blockbuster. I don't know what the name of this is. Like one missed call. That's what it's called. Oh, probably oh. terrible. We probably went to the same Blockbuster. Was it the one by the gas station? Yeah, it was there all the time. We probably oh saw gosh. each other. I probably pushed you or something. <laughs> pushed me out of the way. You probably saw me vastly like dashing through the aisles because we were chasing each other. You were probably the kids that my mom looked at and went, oh, God, thank God my kids aren't doing that. <laughs> More than likely. Oh, my God. That's so fucking funny. Yeah, we were probably there at the same time. That's that so is wi- crazy. I'm surprised we never thought of that. That's wild. You know. I remember one missed call. I don't remember that poster, though. You don't remember that face? Mm-mm. I remember always seeing that face going, that has to be the scariest movie alive. <laughs> we'll watch it one day and we'll find out. Yeah. We'll put that on our, our list at some point. Mm-hmm. Four and a half stars on Letterbox 2021. If Vera Farmiga is your wife and she tells you some fucked up evil shit is happening, you listen to her. She is correct. Exactly. Thank you. Yeah. One out of 10, titled One Word Moronic from 2011 on IMDb. There comes a point when people should be banned from making movies. When you... When you when, <laughs> that's it. You're out of here. It's a crime. <laughs> when you make an atrocity like Orphan, there is no redemption. I really don't know where to start. Maybe with rich, endlessly irritating main characters who deserve whatever they got, or with the plot that has a hole after hole and nothing to show for it. Or even better, sickening flirtation with child pornography and mindless, suspenseless violence. People are entitled to make a mistake or make a bad, even awful movie. What they are not entitled to is this perverse exercise in pushing the boundaries without consequences. This is a shameful piece of garbage, not even worth a second glance. They have some points. They have (laughs) points. They do. They have points. I will say maybe the rich, endlessly irritating main characters, yes, they are rich. So do they deserve it? Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Two, does the dad deserve to die? Yes. Absolutely. (laughs) I do agree with those points. Mm Mm-hmm. And they do have other points. I understand. Yeah. I understand where they're coming from. I do too. I do too. I understand where they're coming from with like the sickening flirtation with it. Because they didn't outright Mm -hmm. say that's what it was. They said that the movie was kind of flirting and like tiptoeing along the lines of being that. And yeah, I see where they're coming from. They're not wrong. They are not wrong. No. The next one is from September of 2022 on Letterboxd. Half star. That last scene where her neck turns 90 degrees is making me give this movie a half star more than it deserves what the death was so satisfying for them oh yes that they gave it a half star instead of zero okay yeah that's fair uh, you know what i'm gonna say yeah the death scene's pretty it's pretty great this next one is from september of 2011 one out of 10 titled second worst movie i've ever seen on imdb this is the second worst movie i've ever seen whoever wrote impressive comment is an idiot i know you're wondering the first worst movie is bug which i've never seen i've never i don't think i've heard of it oh no yeah this looks really bad bug maybe we'll do that one day this one's about a an unhinged war veteran is michael shannon in it yeah he's i think he's the unhinged war veteran no but anyway so the first the first worst movie is bug really she is a 30 something year old with a growth problem of a nine-year-old i was following you until that like nobody has that disorder they didn't say that I did. Like, no one has that? Like, did this person think they, the movie made that up? Is it real? It's real, right? Yeah, because the case that inspired it, yeah. literally, the, the woman had the same and like, hypopituitarism. And literally, it's like, it's hormone hormones that, yeah. you know, hormone growths happen all the time in different ways. So That's the craziest part to them. <laughs> yeah, it's not that crazy to believe. No, um, but anyway, okay. Luckily, I download my stuff or I'd say I want my money back. 
but the director should never be able to direct again. I made the mistake of watching this with my lady and trying to get laid, but she literally walked out after the hook. I hoped there might be more. I'm a pessimist. Now I'm stuck with myself wondering why the writer even got the opportunity for Warner Brothers to pay for this crap. I'm so confused, not by the movie, but by Warner Brothers. Why would you do this to me? And at least the 400,000 other people who watched it. Do not watch this. You'll never get your time back. And you will seriously kick yourself in the ass to hemorrhoids. Save yourself the pain and do not watch this stupid movie. So he was trying to watch this movie with his girlfriend or whatever and got and sh- did not get laid. That, that's where the real, the real hate is coming from. My girlfriend got upset over this movie and wouldn't fuck me. It's literally one of this. Yeah, exactly. And admitted to illegally downloading it. I love that. I love that. I, this review is so unhinged. <laughs> I really like it. Doesn't believe hypopituitarism is real. It's so funny. <laughs> I love this. This is a great review. So August 2022, Letterboxd. This movie, I think, is actually evil. If there is a god who has any interest in us or our well-being, then he sure then surely he considers this movie to be an enemy. There is no room in the kingdom of heaven for movies such as this. I'd probably give it a 7 out of 10. <laughs> I I recognize their profile picture. I don't think they ever put stars, so you never know what they're going to be saying about mm-hmm. the movie. I love that. Yeah. Four and a half stars from, from Letterboxd in 2019. They start with the quote, I thought you said there was nothing wrong with being different from Esther. Mm-hmm. Finally, a film willing to shit on orphans. <laughs> I have 95% on Esther's side, and I love this fucking movie. Family adopts kid from old-timey Catholic orphanage like no one, like ones that don't exist here. Turns out this girl is not to be fucked with. I really enjoy the vibe of this film. Isabel Furman will haunt my daymares for years to come, and Vera Farmiga is a dream. Ha ha ha. That is a lame sentence, but I like it. The film is effectively creepy and interesting. The ending was a little obvious, but this isn't really a mystery anyway. I suppose this is the mirrorverse version of Instant Family. I don't really like people Peter Sarsgaard in this at all. John C. Riley plays a better version of this sort of role and we need to talk about Kevin. But other oh. than that, I have almost not not complaints about this. I have seen some people complain about the length, but that didn't bother me. I will be revisiting. I really like this review. I think they kind of... This is what I would have written when I first yeah. when I watched this movie again in high school. I've been like, yeah, this is... I love the energy of this movie. I don't side with <laughs> Esther, but I, I do love the energy. I think it's funny that they do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. But they're they kind of right. I think John C. Riley's version of this character is really good. It's very interesting because it's the same character, like, mm-hmm. you know, the dad that doesn't believe the wife or is on the child side. It has never been shown that side of the child exactly but with we need to talk about kevin there it's kind of there's a different angle to how the mom yeah because like there's a lot of evidence in that movie the mom had some effect on his behavior yeah well she like you know she didn't want to be pregnant Mm -hmm. she did it she She wanted she she wanted to keep traveling and didn't want a child Mm -hmm. he heard her say that to him Mm -hmm. she broke his arm yeah just like a lot of things where I get like I it's like I understand the dad a little bit more in we need to talk about Kevin. Yeah, exactly what you said. Like it makes sense for him to be acting that way towards her because she has not shown there's resentment. Yeah, like he knows how she feels about the kids, so everything she says about him that he's doing just seems harder to believe to him and that makes mm-hmm. sense. But John really doesn't have a like she has fully tried her best to build that trust back. Yeah. And it crumbles so easily when he still has a lot of trust to be building back with her too. 
Exactly, where he, I, apparently in the movie hasn't worked on anything because he's still flirting with women and mm-hmm. still willing to uh, be unfaithful. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And yeah, I do I do really like how this person put everything, except for I don't <laughs> don't side with Esther. I think it's funny. I think it's a little funny to side with Esther. <laughs> it is funny. I think it's easier to side with her in the in Orphan First Kill. Definitely. Mm-hmm. That, and that's what the interesting thing about that movie is. It's like you kind of flip. Yeah. You kind of flip it to Esther's side. Yeah. But we won't go into it too much because we will be covering that movie next week. Exactly. Yes. But I'll move on to the next one, back to negative ones. I don't know why I put that positive one there. I think I was just putting them in as I found them. I like that one, though. Yeah. That was good. I did, too. This next one is three stars from September of 2022 on Letterboxd. This film give, gave me another reason why I hate children. But really, this is a perfect family movie night. You could show it to your child and tell them when not to be. Who knows? It could be very effective when it comes to parenting. After all, the world is changing. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Do not take this man's advice or this person's advice. Yeah, I don't think this is a good parenting tool. No. Um, I feel like maybe you should parent your kids to a point where they know that killing people is wrong. I feel like this shouldn't be the movie to teach them. (laughs) That crime is something you can tattletale on sometimes, depending on the crime. (laughs) Depending. (laughs) This next one is a 2 out of 10 from IMDb from 2011 titled One Word. Awful. This is the second person to, to title it like that. One word. Whatever word the last person used moronic or something moronic yeah moronic um if you enjoy watching law and order svu or svu su they put suv law and order (laughs) i would do that i would so do that (laughs) more criminal minds or hostile and you have been diagnosed as not a threat to those around you then you might enjoy orphan a horribly made movie that isn't about the sexualization of children but really is about that more than anything else you can excuse it any way you want with any plot twist you want but that is what this film is really about i feel bad for all the children for having to participate in this and i feel ashamed of vera farmiga and peter sarsgaard for involving themselves and eventually involving me because i watched it because they ran it little kids participating in murder and wanted to participate in sex no matter what excuse you give is sick exploitation oh and it also was not scary i see what they're saying you can't really excuse that part of the movie exactly three stars letterbox 2021 esther the orphan spelled like megan the stallion oh i love that (laughs) esther the orphan was so rude and violent i'm fucking obsessed like she had no qualms bludgeoning nuns or breaking girls legs or burning little boys alive all she wanted was some dick Daddy issues are sexy. Now manifesting in Orphan Girl Summer. This is like the opposite. The juxtaposition. <laughs> that is the opposite of what we just read. It oh really my is. God. It's kind of funny though. It is. It is funny. <laughs> I guess the, for the character in the movie, it's, you know. Yes. Yeah. This next one's from Google Reviews. One star from a year ago. I let my two-year-old daughter watch this and she's fearing her life and I can't make it stop. Why would you let your two-year-old daughter watch this? That's bad parenting. That is. That's on you, not the movie. No, yeah, no, that's the thing. Like, why are you blame the movie? You let your two-year-old watch this. The last review I have is four stars from 2019. Closing out Halloween with one of the most genuinely deranged modern horror films and a personal favorite. There's obviously a great history of horror about gaslighting and parental anxiety, but this is the one that makes me the most viscerally queasy. For material like this, the performances and craft alone are impressive. 
Colette Sarah brings some incredible cross-cutting and camera moves, but I'm most taken with how it just leans full throttle into the nastiest, trashiest impulses, including a never-ending onslaught of perverse child endangerment and violence pieces. They're so beyond poor taste, I can't help but respect that they made it into the final movie and Warner Brothers agreed to release it. That really summed it all up, didn't it? It really did. It really did. Yep. Perfect last review. The acting was great, and you respect the balls on these filmmakers to put them in the <laughs> put half of the shit that happens in this movie in there to begin with. Yeah. Like, I honestly am kind of racking my brain at how to feel about it now. Yes. Same. Do, do you want to go ahead and say, like, your final thoughts? Um, or try to we can try to make sense of them together, <laughs> if you want. Just, yeah, because it, it is one of those things where, like, because I remember, like, fast-forwarding through those scenes yeah i skipped over that part because they are very uncomfortable to Mm -hmm. watch but i didn't even realize that she was i didn't know she was 10 yeah i didn't know like what the actress's age was i didn't know if they were doing i didn't know Mm because i I was thinking maybe she was like she just looks that young yeah the thing about this movie Mm -hmm. the acting performances are great the like twist at the end is great like the watching experience of it is very entertaining movie and it's very like just entertaining to watch and scary and disturbing Mm -hmm. but when you really think about the fact that especially the scene between esther and the dad this is a 10 year old actress who has to be acting in this way and it's definitely not the worst on-screen thing that a movie has made a child actor do oh yeah but it is a step in the wrong direction Mm -hmm. definitely so Outside of that, I feel like it is a really entertaining, good movie. (laughs) Yes. But that part of it really muddies a lot of it. Oh, yeah, definitely. And I think because of that, and just to like, I I think I'm gonna give it like a four. Yeah, I'll go with that too. Yeah. Because, you know, at the end of the day, that's that concept still in the movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's probably relevant to like, I I like this movie outside of what we just talked about. I like this movie, Mm -hmm. but it is cheesy. It is. It is. It is a cheesy movie. Yeah. So it kind of deserves lower that relevant. Still entertaining, though. No, exactly that. I see exactly what you're saying. Is there anything else you wanted to add? No. Okay. So as everybody might know at this point, we are going to be watching or doing a horror movie marathon until Halloween. Maybe a little bit after. I don't know. We love horror movies. If you have any suggestions that we c- can get around to before we finish doing this horror movie marathon, feel free to message us. Like you heard last week, we had someone send in stuff through Instagram over the DMs, mm-hmm. and everyone is welcome to do that. Um, we also have a TikTok. Both of those are at Easy Bake Takes. We have transcripts of all the podcasts on our website, easybaketakespodcast.com, and you can also find links to our social medias there. Don't forget to rate, re- rate, review, and follow us wherever you get your podcasts. And also, thank you so much for listening. My name's Kat. And I'm Riley. This has been Easy Big Takes. Easy watching out there. Bye. Bye.